Symphony 16 presents... Hi everybody, welcome to episode 5 of the Digital Film Photography Podcast. With me is Aid. Hi Aid, how are you? Hello, I am glad to be back. It's good to, uh, well for me, starting to wind down for Christmas holidays now. And so nice, it's, it's, it's uh, late in the afternoon here in the UK and I already have a beer beside me and everything's all good. Hello, and you've got a little Christmas jingle there on your phone. Yes, I have a Christmas jingle, which I'm just switching off right now <laughs> so that we can have an undisturbed uh, conversation. Uh, this this episode will be sort of a time travel for our listeners because, or like a retrospective, because this will be airing uh, at the beginning of January 2023. We'll have to... Uh, see if Twitter still is, exists or if everyone has moved to Mastodon yet. And, <laughs> yeah. Good point. Very, yes, we're recording ahead of time, aren't we? So, uh, yeah. Mm. Happy New Year, yeah, so, everybody. Yeah, Happy New Year for me too. Yeah, so um, we've had uh, four really nice episodes, I think. We started exploring things. We went down the rabbit hole. We had an a super special guest who was uh, just amazing and we had so much fun talking with him before during and after recording the show and um, I think it's time to look at um, listener feedback that's one of the things that we want to do and we also uh, look at what we think we learned from the show that we recorded yeah well hey do you know what i've had a really good time recording these it's been a really interesting conversation and so definitely looking forward to having a chat just now wrapping it up uh and seeing what it is that we, we've learned uh seeing what other people have commented on as well actually i was really pleased that we got so much comment in in the discord mostly i think uh in the sunny 16 discord uh because there was a really good end conversations there and i think we hit we hit a bit of a theme, didn't we? Because people were saying, oh, yeah, really glad you guys are talking about this. And, you know, it's 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 something that is is on people's minds, I think. Uh, and uh, sometimes you feel that when you're part of one group, you're not allowed to discuss things that are of relevance to another group. And so I think we've, we've, yeah. we've perhaps broken down some barriers a, a, a little as well. You know, so maybe we have uh, maybe we've done people some good. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. And I think uh, when when I asked around for um, if, if people were interested in, uh, in a show like this, I was really um, su positively surprised how um, people said, yeah, go for it, do it. And, and uh, lucky enough for us, that continued. We got excellent feedback. And that's one of the things that I enjoyed the most uh, about doing this uh, was getting into conversations on Discord. And I mean, I can only encourage people to go on Discord because it's uh, it's it feels like a pretty safe community. It's not like uh, people will um, make harsh remarks if you ask something that is perhaps not well informed or not thought through or gives away that you're a beginner so i think it's a pretty safe place to go and uh, at least the sunny 16 community and uh, yeah i would encourage everyone to go there because i th i think without the conversations that we have on the discord um, a lot of the things we came up with uh, during the show we wouldn't have been able to come up with because it's directly connected to some sort of feedback. Yeah, true, very true. Um, so yeah, good chance for us to, to share some of that for, for those that are not members of the Discord, we can share some of that today. And, uh, you know, and, and as well as as well as what we've learned from this conversation. So should we dive into the feedback? Should we, should we go there next? Yeah, good idea. Would you want to, would you like to start with what uh, George uh Told sure. Us. Yes. Well, yes. So, uh, you know, just um, George says, uh, I haven't used a digital camera or dedicated digital camera for a while, um, but likes to use his phone's camera to shoot reference photos of places that he wants to come back to with a film camera. He occasionally shoots infrared with his Nikon Coolpix 950. So that's interesting, isn't it? I guess the, the part of that is that 
you know, we're, we're, this show is going out on the Sunny 16 Presents channel. And Sunny 16, of course, is a podcast that focuses on the analog community more than the digital community. So I guess, you know, part of our feedback is is in some ways influenced by that in a good in a good way. Um, and it's and actually it's been great to see so many film shooters say, yeah, actually, you know, it feels like people are, are sort of tentatively sticking their hand up and going, yeah, I shoot a bit of digital too. Don't shoot me. <laughs> but that's OK, because this is a. a uh, an open and welcoming forum so you know it, i think actually using digital to shoot reference photos for film uh brilliant um uh, yeah it's a brilliant idea yeah. and also using digital as like a like a preview device you know to see if the framing is all right and 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 if certain filters work the way you intend them to work and i also found found quite intriguing that um, um george uses his nikon to shoot IR because IR has always been uh, something that I personally was very interested in also when shooting film because there are several different approaches. I mean, if we look at the film work uh, world, there are obviously dedicated IR films by Rolai, for example, um, but there are also different um, films like uh, also from Rolai, but it's not a not per se an IR film like Rolai uh, Retro ATS, which is a very special film because it's quite contrasty, but it has an enhanced red sensitivity, which means it 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 not only touches infrared, it goes pretty deep into it more than other films. So, in in certain scenarios where you have very bright sunlight from a ninety degree angle to where you're looking, and you have foliage, and um, it's it's the summer. You get actually get an, a sort of a sort of like an IR effect already on leaves, for example. Mm-hmm. And even if you if you use a filter, an IR filter, you get something along the lines of a of an IR image. So um, that is something that gives you this dreamy summer look, where the leaves are much brighter than they should be, and yeah, I think it's uh, IR is excellent and and not only for for film. Have you ever shot IR? I haven't actually. Uh, I've played around with this, um, Ilford do a sort of pseudo IR film, don't they? Uh, is it the SFX, um, which is uh, which is a little bit extra sensitive to red light if you shoot it with a red filter on? But I don't. I've never done proper. Uh, infrared photography and i don't have any well actually i would say i don't have any digital cameras that are capable of infrared photography but you tell me that i actually do and i didn't even know so tell me about that tell everybody about that (laughs) yeah so uh one of the things uh that i uh, only discovered uh, quite a few years after uh, uh, purchasing my first fuji camera was that the fuji sensor and um that it actually picks up infrared light and it picks up uh, enough infrared to um, be able to shoot IR images if you screw on um, an IR filter. You have to be a little bit careful because some lenses uh, do have an effect that's called a hot spot, which basically means that the IR reflects differently within the lens. So ah, you get okay. like uh, um, brighter spots in certain areas of the lens, m- mostly in the middle of the lens. But a lot of the standard lenses that you can get for the Fuji don't have these IR spots, and you can simply use a 720 nanometer um, filter. And uh, you need a tripod be- or crank up the ISO um, because uh, there is not enough IR sensitivity to just shoot by hand but you can get really nice results and uh, supposedly that works for many different digital cameras canon as well as far as i know and you can there are actually dedicated websites that will list cameras uh, um, that are ir capable so it's actually i had no idea actually that i thought i always thought you had to have a camera converted but i guess there may be a different degrees of, of ir that you can capture yeah, converting a camera obviously has, has the advantage that you don't need a tripod. You can just shoot at, you know, um, uh, yeah. normal um, ISO. No, no, that, that sounds good to me because I'm no fan of tripods, but there we go. <laughs> yeah, but then again, uh, if I thought it 
wasn't such a good idea to rip off uh, the IR filter from the sensor. So that is a, a not a reversible no, 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 <laughs> thing to do to your sensor. And, and I mean, you can shoot normal visible light with it, but I think you need an IR and uh, an ultraviolet blocking filter right, okay. to not have flarings on. And that is something that I'm not willing to do to my camera but i mean you can use uh, get old cameras and send them uh, to people and they will convert them the conversions cost between 100 and let's say 200 quid depending on the camera model so that's quid is euros dollars pounds doesn't there's probably not much difference and so yeah i think that is something uh, because the look is so distinct, that is something that I would recommend people to look into. Yeah. Just, you know, I mean, IR filter costs between 20 and, let's say, 50 quid. Right, okay. So the entrance, uh, entering this field is not, if your camera allows expensive. for it, it's not horribly expensive. You can use a filter on your film camera. You can use a filter on the digital camera to check it out and um interesting yeah ah, okay all right well uh so there we go so so well thank you george for the for the feedback and the contribution to the yeah. discussion uh do you want to do the next one yeah <clears throat> the next one yes yeah the next one is by a disappointed horse on discord i'm sorry before we record started recording i was like i don't know if i can say all the handles without cracking up because <laughs> disappointed horse is a very cool uh, handle i would at some point love to hear the story beho- behind the handle that's a good point yeah but, that's it but yeah but um both disappointed horse and david on um who replied on instagram uh to uh, on, on my instagram account he wrote me a message and they said both said something along the lines of what you mentioned earlier that yeah sometimes it's not the time for um shooting film because you don't have the time to develop or the money to buy film and 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 develop film and uh, um i like the honest feedback that they shoot digital when they feel like it and that's something that resonates with us because that's basically what we're saying i mean it's better to shoot something than not to shoot anything right yeah uh, agreed um so whether it's um yeah whether it's because you you happen to not have a camera with you or whether yeah a film camera with you or or a dedicated camera of any kind with you or whatever um it is it is okay uh not to shoot film everybody who listens on sunday 16 so if it's, if we did this on like a, a sister channel to a different podcast everybody would be like yeah we wouldn't have uh, so much of this stuff. so it's really nice that we've been able to have this conversation on the sunday 16 discord where people are i guess maybe naturally uh, a bit more experimental with stuff um so you know in a really positive way so i think um yeah it's, it's great that we've had this feedback uh speaking of which next up is uh our good friend billy sanford hey billy uh so uh billy has plenty to say of course um and uh he says uh in a time when we get bombarded with billions of ordinary images people seemingly use film to produce something that stands out yeah that's a good point i think yeah we'd all pretty much agree that that's a a reason that some people use film and it's a good strong one um he thinks the film look is different um uh yeah i think i'd probably agree with that as well although you know we did have a conversation a couple of shows ago about just how different or how close you can get with uh with digital these days um but i think there there is there, when you look hard at these things in a detailed way i think um there there is something different uh about film um uh and it could be about nostalgia for many people uh billy likes the process of developing film and printing photos yep um and merely emulating film is not enough uh okay so uh you know, from, I, I totally no i think uh, uh read on please because that's uh in 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 the context of what he says next ah okay sorry uh so billy goes on to say uh reference uh concert photography um limitations of film and concert photography force you to shoot wide open at long exposure times i guess because the the film don't doesn't go as high in iso as as you can do with digital so that's yeah that's a very interesting point isn't it because that's something that we haven't uh discussed yet i mean we discussed that uh you cannot emulate certain lens uh, characteristics and so on but what billy is saying is that you need actually need to change your digital f- shooting style if you want to emulate 
a film shoot properly because he what he's basically saying is you could crank up a modern camera to ISO 64,000 uh, and something or 28,000 for that matter and you can shoot uh, a concert at uh, um, f8 probably yes but that will immediately give away that you're not shooting with film unless you have tons of grain in there um, well, so, I think you're yeah, right. I mean, yeah, the, I've got a book on the shelf which includes some concert photography from, I think, the late 70s and the early 80s. But it's like the American punk scene. It's the rise. So it's like all in the thick of it. It's not from a distance from a from a, a pit, you know, that's 20 feet below the stage. Um, the uh, so. Uh, and that is there's a lot of movement in there, but that the, and a lot of slow sync, uh, slow sync flash so so the you know the the photographer at that point would have had a a slow film by today's modern standards for digital isos uh and have to use a flash um uh and even then you know still have an exposure of you know perhaps a couple of seconds or half even if it's only half a second there's still uh, you know motion blur in it um so yeah if you were going to emulate the the look it's, it's so I think what Billy's point is there's elements of composition that come about as or, or the output if the, is there such a thing as output versus input comp composition does that make any sense so you could choose to compose as an input but then your output composition is a feature of the you know the, the technology that you're using perhaps including you know film and what have you if that may, huh. if that phrase makes any sense to anybody at all um then the output is uh yeah billy i think what billy's arguing is that if you were going to emulate film you'd need to emulate the constraints of film as well as yes uh, as well exactly. as the uh, just just the look so we talked a lot about what the film look was we didn't talk about much of that did we we didn't you know so that's a really good point no, billy brings up we it's a very good point yeah yeah so uh, and and Billy goes on to say, you know, that if you get too perfect with digital image, you might cause an uncanny valley effect uh, and make people feel uncomfortable. Which is a really interesting point for me because I always feel a photo look, photograph looks more natural when it's not reflective of reality, if that makes sense. So yeah, you know, black and white being a great example, right? Because most people don't see in black and white. But I look at a black and white photo and go, oh, yeah, that looks quite natural, quite pleasing. And, and, and you know, I can recognize that. Whereas, you know, clearly it's not realistic because, you know, in that photograph would have been colors. And, and if you're shooting digital, for example, and you've chosen to process it as black and white, sometimes that's because the colors are a distraction and you've chosen to remove them so that, you know, so that they, that, that, that distraction goes away. And that, so you're, you're choosing to make things less realistic and yet and you know might look more i once i once read that uh was someone saying i don't know if it was in a forum or uh, on the discord channel uh, he or she wrote that uh, um focus was such a bourgeois concept <laughs> and uh while being obviously being uh, like a like a pun or like being uh provocative in a way in a funny way I think that's true because if you look at certain images, especially, I mean, uh, you mentioned um, uh, concert photography in, in punk times. I'm pretty sure a lot of those images didn't have tack sharp, um, you know, um, they weren't tack sharp. The people weren't in focus all the time, but they still, especially the ones where you have motion blur and out of focus stuff that creates a certain dynamic in the image that, you probably wouldn't get otherwise so yeah i think what what if I, if i understand you correctly you say that imperfections may make an image more organic some of the times and a lot of times probably i think so um, especially things like movement can do that so you know it is uh, and i suppose you could we could lean a little into the motion picture world here couldn't we and say actually you know if you capture something at 24 frames per second uh with uh, a shutter speed of a 48th of a second um what you might call a shutter angle of 180 if the if you if that's the 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 vocabulary you're used to using or or just if you're more of a still photographer just having the the shutter speed be twice the frame rate um that is chosen i mean apart from back, way back when when it was chosen where it was also to do with mechanical constraints on the machinery they were using 
um it it is cited these days as being you know a more natural movement look and closer to the way that uh, that human eyes work whereas uh, uh, you know, if you look at something that's shot in say 60 frames per second which you see quite a lot on youtube these days or if you have a modern television that interpolates and fills in extra frames for you um it can look to to many of us very very jarring indeed i mean i cannot watch a movie at 60 frames per second when i get a television all of that stuff gets turned off and i, I have had it uh, i have had it before uh i remember a while a few years back i think we we, we um I, I don't know like the one of the tvs had like uploaded upgraded its software or something you know that stupid smart tvs well they can't be just a screen i don't know but now they all want to be smart and they all want to have operating systems and stuff like that and it's just like actually i just want a screen thanks but the, the i think one of our tvs had, had upgraded its operating system uh and switched all of this motion interpret interpolation on and sat down to watch a movie and it was only a netflix movie but it was showing it at 60 frames per second and it was horrendous it was a it was such a distraction to me that i couldn't actually enjoy i couldn't get into the story i could uh and it was only afterwards and i thought this is crazy this got it was only afterwards that i realized that something had gone wrong with the television settings and i needed to go and sort that out um uh it still wasn't a great movie but <laughs> just, just like, <laughs> I, I think it's as funny as this is uh the uh, is it i think it's called the soap effect and i think um who uh, who was the director of um, the Hobbit? Uh, the, uh, uh, I can picture him. I can't remember his name. Uh, Peter Peter um, Jackson. Jackson, exactly. I think he recorded or he filmed the Hobbit in high frame rate. Oh, yeah, he did something like forty-eight. Yeah, frame FPS or something. Something like yeah. that. Uh, at least twice the fr- uh, twice uh, twenty-four. Or, yeah, twice twenty-four frames and and um, I'm not entirely sure how that caught on but to my knowledge it didn't catch on properly i think i remember I mean, at the time there was quite a lot of negative comment about it um yeah but where uh, so and i haven't seen that actually um uh, so i can't comment the other one that was famous for doing different things like that was um saving private ryan uh, which is a, a movie um, where the opening sequence, which is very much a battle sequence, yeah. um, it was deliberately shot, I think, at 48 frames per second, but also no, think... with a shutter speed that was much faster. And so yeah, you've got exactly. a very that stuttering was, uh, effect. Yeah, I think they did that for Gladiator as well. Oh, did they? All right, okay, I didn't know they'd yeah, done that for it, Gladiator. It, I quite liked Gladiator. Yeah, yeah. Gladiator was a nice-looking movie. Saving Private yeah, Ryan was a bit... It it, it it was I was like oh yeah it 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 looks like it looks it the the look of it didn't do much for me but Gladiator is mm. I I liked the look of Gladiator yeah yeah so um I think anyway that, what were we talking about <laughs> uh, yeah I'm just trying to get back on track no but, never mind uh, about that uh, it, 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 yeah I think the the um what uh, Billy is also saying with um, did you mention the uncanny valley I did yeah uh, we talked about that but yeah that... going back to what Billy had said um so yeah we talk, uh, I I think I know what Billy means about the uncanny valley effect because it, it yeah uh, it, it's like I said it's it works for me too is it anything that looks a bit too bit too perfect it looks to me like unnatural in the sense that no that's not how the yeah. real world looks which is interesting because it's probably closer uh, to how it really looks yeah, than I, I think it's it's not exactly that way i think the uncanny valley effect comes from um robot faces or robots that are human and the, the uncanny valley means that there is this graph where you basically plot the perfection of the human emulation which basically means how close the robot is to a a real human um that the as the more perfect it it gets the acceptance or the the um the way that people feel about the 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 robot basically starts to rise and rise with the more perfect it gets the the more it, it rises and the uncanny valley is actually when at some point the emulation is so perfect that people suddenly start to dislike what they see and the uncanny valley basically means there is a valley in this graph that you draw yes uh, that yeah, de- yeah. and 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 though this doesn't really um c- 
completely translate to uh, digital images. Uh, as you said, uh, we both uh, understand what what uh, Billy says or means with it. And the funny thing is that, yes, I also think that a lot of digital image, especially the ones that are really popular on Netflix, uh, not on Netflix, I'm sorry, on Instagram, they have a certain look about them that is that is modern zeitgeist basically appealing look and i find them sterile a lot of times and uh, it's nothing there's nothing wrong with them that's that's just my personal preference but um this this race to make cameras sharper and to make lenses sharper and sharper and this 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 whole megapixel race it it stopped but it's still not completely over and we both discussed before we started recording that Fujifilm actually released a camera body I think it's the um, X-H2S which outperforms a lot of their own lenses in terms of sharpness and we both started discussing does it really matter that the lens is not as good as the camera body well, some people would call that character now, wouldn't they? Because if you pull a film lens from, I don't know, let's say a lens from the 60s or or the well, 70s or even the 80s, and you put that on a digital camera with even a, let's say, a 24 megapixel sensor, you know, people would say, oh, well, you know, the the the, the sensor outperforms the, the lens. And then other people would say, ah, yeah, but that's that's character, right? So, yeah, the, the lens has got character. So I, I do, it, it's interesting because one of the things that this brings up for me is, is, is like one of the pivotal points of this conversation we've had over these few podcasts, which is, do we care or don't we care, right? And I don't think we've actually answered that question. I think sometimes we do care uh, uh, and sometimes we don't care. And so there's, there's an argument about, oh, well, yeah, the, yeah, it doesn't matter whether you shoot film or digital or what lenses you use or whatever and what tools you use and it's the output that matters and stuff like that but of course at some level the output is also a function of the input and so so at some point you say actually i do care and so and and then you say okay but yeah but some of the look some of the output is also a result of the process you take you know as I say, okay so we've got to care about the process now as well so we, you, you, it's very easy i think we could argue ourselves in circles and tie ourselves in knots which is one of the joys of this conversation for me because you know it, it both does matter and it doesn't matter at the same time it, it, and, yeah, and, and exactly. there's room for everybody and room for every approach yeah and 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 funny enough with especially motion picture photography which is also a form of photography this they have pondered these questions much longer than we have in our show and did you know that for example the narcos uh, series on netflix was shot with vintage 74 uh, uh, lenses from by vantage i did not know that no because i think um they didn't want to emulate the 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 retro look because obviously the series played in the 70s and so on so they just used amazing digital cameras and put on um vintage lenses to achieve the look and that is something that i immediately realized when watching the show i was like oh this 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 looks like they've been using real vintage lenses because that doesn't look emulated at all because you get certain distortions in the in the corners there are out of focus areas that look in a certain look a certain way and i like the idea that to achieve a look people use different techniques techniques that can be using vintage lenses lenses that can be emulating certain things and as you said character something very important when i shot my TLRs, which have uh, I, I have two lovely Lipka Rollop One cameras TLRs, and they have these really nice lenses. And I actually shot uh, a lot of um, classic grain films with them because I like the look. But then I discovered that shooting 120 ill for Delta 100, which is a really great T grain film, which which has sort of like a modern rendering brings out the character of the lenses so nicely. So I basically got a, a new look by using a modern film 
uh, in a camera that actually doesn't have a really you know high-end lens so yeah i think what you said is is we need to be in my eyes we need to be more aware of what tools we have at hand to achieve a certain result and i think if if this podcast has one mission it would be to say don't worry about what other people think just choose a tool that you think helps you to achieve a look and i think that's uh, very important that 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 liberates you from you know um constraints that a group peer pressure puts on you and i think that's something that we should really get over yeah absolutely yeah so i think we we, we we've spoken just sort of in the round there to several of the comments we received certainly that speaks to yeah dave walker's comments via yeah we got from discord thank you dave on you know the the how the old films lenses can be an important part of the film look and and the sensor or the film have uh you know render in different ways as does the lens and the lighting and all that sort of stuff you know uh, and actually um, perhaps the imperfections play an important role, uh, and you know that they, yeah, which I th- I I think they do. And and you've just described that the thing that comes to mind. I can never remember the name of the film, but it's the film that Stanley Kubrick uh, famously shot in candlelight only with a with a ludicrously uh, yes. fast lens. And I can never yeah. remember there. It's like an O point uh, F O point because it's it was seven a, five lens something or something like it's, that. Yes, or it had like yes. custom converted uh, or something like that. But but there's there is there is an amazing um, YouTube video about those crazy fast cinema lenses uh, that we'll link it to show notes. I'll have to uh, look it up. And, Do you know when yeah, we need Simon see. Forster? Simon would know the answer to that with the with the classic lenses podcast and stuff like that. Simon Simon would know, but it, it's an interesting point, and and I think you know, uh, one of the things that I, I've learned actually from this is that actually, you know, it the it, the the like I said, it's difficult to put it into words because you could argue it either way. You can argue that actually it's the output and the outcome that are the most important thing, and I think they are, and they are the more they they are more important, at least to me personally, than process. But but process is part is is the way you get to that output, right? <laughs> so so you know you can't have uh you can't have output without there is input and process, right? So so you it, it is it does become an important part of the equation. Um, it's just, I, I don't know, and uh, which also speaks to Ian Wallace's comment, which is, you know, that actually, you know, modern cameras um, will see things differently because they not because they they're designed to see things differently, but almost because they're designed to see different things. So, you know, it, it's not that somebody's trying deliberately to be different. It's everybody is still trying to make the best camera they can make. But if you think about a phone, for example, which will now have a very high dynamic range um, in an image, or as I prefer to call it, a low dynamic range, um, because often what you're doing is you're squeezing more detail. You're actually squeezing the dynamic range so that you can see the detail in the shadows and the detail in the highlights. Unless, of course, you've got a very modern phone or, or something like that that actually is an HDR-capable display then then you're really into uncanny valley for me i don't know if you have any devices um or, or tvs christian with hdr capability when something comes up on like that i look at that and go that's horrible <laughs> right so i don't i don't like hdr screens i don't like you know, so um so I, it's, it's weird because i find myself in the, we spent years you know railing against hdr so-called hdr which had that really horrible crunchy effect that, that with halos around all the light and dark things that everybody hated well not everybody but many people did um and now we have actual screens capable of high dynamic range which because they can go much much brighter and of course because the way they achieve it is by being able to go much brighter. you don't get more darks you get more highlight and so you get things like do you know what there was a there was a show I was watching it matters not but the, it, people were wearing business suits and with like a, a white collar of a shirt and the shirt and I couldn't see and I couldn't hear the story and I couldn't see the picture because all I could see was the blooming collar on the bloke's shirt and it was like because it was in high dynamic range it was about 10 times as white or 10 times as bright as everything else so I think there's definitely the art of of using high dynamic range is definitely to come the technology is there now but uh, I think there's yeah it's like oh could you not have worn a darker shirt mate because I can't hear anything you're saying because all I can see is your collar <laughs> it's like 
But don't you think that is in the eye of the beholder? Oh, certainly. Because yeah, absolutely. Very subjective. Let, let me, let yes. me give it's, you an this example. This goes back to the whole 24 frames thing. I mean, if, you, if you're a digital native and you've grown up watching 60 frames per second, you probably find that quite natural. No, I, I mean, in, in a different way. I mean, if we look at a scene with our own eyes, you know, and we look at highlight areas and then look at shadows, the, the thing with our eyes is that they adjust so quickly that we perceive a shadow much lighter than it would render on a modern camera shot and most people that don't that are not deep into photography would say that most hdr shots by modern phones look more natural than photographs because they say if i look at this scene in real life i can see every detail in the shadows i can see every detail in the in the highlights but that is because their when they look at the shadow their eyes will adjust so quickly mm. that it looks to them as if they see uh, on the on the on the hdr image they see what they see in real life i still don't like it <laughs> yeah yeah that, that, yeah that's that's a that's a different story but still i mean that's that's why those shots are so popular and you know uh in in uh, i i i heard the term clown puke for <laughs> hdr images yeah. which yeah yeah i can see where that term would come from properly describes what i feel when i look at you know oversaturated uh hdr images but then the, it is very the, subjective. The, it is, of course, very subjective. Very subjective, and, uh, and, and, and my opinion the, is only my opinion. Um, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, but but uh, that's one of the benefits of being the person that actually makes the effort to make the podcast. We get to share our opinions, and other people get to listen to them. Of course, although as they, much have, as, they have to, they have to make do with what they hear. Well, okay, unless they <laughs> participate in a conversation in the Discord, which many people have, which I'm very pleased to say. Yeah. So um, that's a really, really that was one of the things that motivated me the most to continue with the podcast. Oh yeah, definitely. Yes, yeah, so you and you said that from yeah. the start, didn't you? You were hoping that it would yes. challenge some people and cause some conversation, which it has, which I think is brilliant. Yes, and it also it also showed us how lovely the community is, didn't it? I mean, because mm -hmm. we said some things that, you know, a purely film photographic community could have taken a wrong way. But I I really, really appreciate how people uh, distilled what we try to say and not not take it in a way that we want to if of you know consciously offend or provoke people but just you know um try to try to make a change of perspective uh, so that we all feel free to explore things that will help us to express ourselves i agree absolutely uh, either, either we've we've totally nailed it right and and we've got that we, we we've done uh we we've tread, treaded that fine line very very well indeed or we just haven't tried hard enough to upset people like i, I feel <laughs> like a, yeah it, but, but i think we probably have because we we yeah i think we've done well um at least we we've um op opened up a conversation uh that that, that allows people to participate and i think that's great so thank you everybody yeah. for participating so thank you let's let's have a think then so what, what are the, what are your takeaways from all of this then what, what what would you say you've learned or has been the value for you from our our series of conversations here so the first thing that i learned was how much fun it is to talk with people about the things that mm -hmm. that are in my mind because uh, lots of those things that we talked about have been you know milling around my head for a long time and it's nice to express them in a spoken way and then you know bounce them off you and also bounce them off uh, people who know much more than i do like todd todd um, was very knowledgeable is i should say a very knowledgeable is chap. very knowledgeable. Um, yes yes and i i like the way that he 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 tried to not only focus on this is a tool this is the output a that you create with tool a this is the tool b and the outlook b uh, the, the the look b that you create with it but he he basically basically encourages people to you know 
take in the scenery, decide for yourself what to do and find a project that you would like to shoot because that gives you a direction. And that resonated a lot with me. And that's something after the conversation with Todd, one of the things I took away was that I really need to focus on, you know, on a project because uh, okay. um, project, huh? I yeah, I know the feeling when you drive around aimlessly and think, I've been to all the places around my house, so what am I going to do now? And you, if you don't have a project, you end up going in the next drive thinking the same. So, uh, yeah, I think the next thing that I would like to do is, you know, that's a, that's a, a really interesting one. I think um, that's a really good point. Uh, can I add to that as well, actually? And 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 this is not my idea. I I got it off a YouTuber actually just a week or two ago. Um, a chap called Dan Milner. Um, and I think it was that he, he, he did a, a little YouTube video talking about the importance of the backup project as well. So uh, yeah. the, the thing about you, know, that thing that's always there in the background and it's just uh, and if you're if plan A doesn't come through for whatever, you know, then you've always got plan B. And I thought, I thought what's that? I was thinking, well, what have I got that's like that? And I think <laughs> I definitely have one. I have one called ceilings. Right, which is simply that I love to take photographs of ceilings. Right, um, yeah, I, I have. I'm, I'm laughing, but I have a friend who loves to shoot the toilets where toilets. he is. Yeah, okay, so, that's so, a good so one. It's, yeah. I could so, see. Yeah. I could see how that would be an interesting one, um, and I think yeah. So, so there's always you know you can always look up right, um, and you can always see what see what's above you, and that works in in lots of different places it works in public places it works in you know people's homes it works in i don't know hotels especially it works or, or places that are designed to be a, you know um it works in venetian palaces it, it works wherever you want to be there's always something different about the ceilings so uh, i have yet to publish anything uh, around that but it's always there ticking over year after year and you know i have an album of photographs not not many not 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 like thousands or anything like that um but you know over the years the number of photographs of ceilings crop up and sometimes it because it's really impressive like you know a sculpture or or you know uh i don't think i've got one of the sistine chapel because i don't think you're allowed to take photos in the sistine chapel but yeah that's you know sometimes it's art sometimes it's a chandelier sometimes it's just the way the light falls yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're, uh, and and maybe you could include like a really normal sort of lampshade in the photo as well. But it's really about the fall off of the light and trying to capture the fall off of the light at that point. Um, and so that's a, a really good one. So what's it? Have you got any backup projects? I mean, I haven't got a project, so I well, you don't, don't need a backup I, then. <laughs> I I need. I maybe I can start with a backup project, but yeah. That's having a project. I think we both agree is a really good idea. Yeah, and, and I think there's uh, there's a lot of inertia. Sometimes it can feel really hard to start a project. You know, trying to think of the perfect idea or to get everything lined up. And so I think you know, ways two, two ways for me to to make that slightly easier. One is to say I, I this project is going to be like my day trip. Right. So or my weekend away or whatever it is, or maybe because we got, yeah, yeah, I, I, we've just had the holidays as this show goes out. But as we record it, we're just going into the holiday period. So, yeah, let's say, OK, well, this year I'm going to take camera X and film Y or I'm going to take digital camera X and uh, a bunch of lights. And I'm just going to take photographs of the family in a particular style this year. Um, I had. um it's uh one one from years ago actually which is here's a here's a holiday tip i know we've just finished the holidays for people listening but i did one years ago um called christmas mug shots and i set up a flashlight so fairly yeah it was it was off camera but it was fairly you know a, a fairly um deliberately a fairly full-on lighting situation and i did mug shots everybody had to stand looking glum and holding up their one of their Christmas presents that they'd received. Ah, very cool. Uh, and I put them but all I, in a row. I made them mug shots and I put them all in a little matrix for, you know, and so there was, I don't know, uh, eight of these photographs or something like that. There was just whoever was in the house. I happened to be in my in-law's house, but yeah, whoever was in the house that day. So mostly my wife's brothers and sisters and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, just managed to get some, some fantastic shots. So there, there's one you could do. Um, yeah. It, yeah. 
I, I used to have a, uh, I used to have um, photo projects every every like two, three or four weeks with a friend of mine, and we had very interesting projects. Uh, they they could be like ISO thousand six hundred, which basically meant you could shoot any film as long as as it has uh, ISO. You shoot it with ISO thousand six hundred, or like the hundred step challenge. You basically take a photo, mm -hmm. walk a hundred steps, take the next photo, and so on, or <clears throat> take a photo every full hour for six hours or seven yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, do all, all of that and, sort of stuff. and stuff like that. Definitely. And the, the, I think my one other personal takeaway from the show is that we might be preaching to people how you know don't care for the tools just use what you have but honestly i've been preaching to myself but as because i still uh tell myself oh i forgot to bring my fuji and uh, which is ridiculous because i have a capable camera in my in my pocket and could <laughs> yeah. just you know shoot so uh it takes a time to get used to the idea that you just use a tool that's there or that's convenient or whatever and i'm still not i mean that's something that i take away personally and the other takeaway that i have for the podcast is how valuable it is to have guests on the podcast yes i mean it it i i the, the high that i was on in terms of creativeness and and learning after interviewing todd was probably lasted for two or three days nice and that sh that's not to flatter todd even though he really is a cool guy and and he deserves the the praise but yeah i think having guests on and you said something along the lines of why do we <laughs> need to record something and put it on the internet just to have these amazing conversations yeah the thing is if we don't put it on the internet people can't can't listen to it and can't enjoy it as much as we did so i think that's true and we'd we be just weirdos as well just comp contacting complete strangers and saying can i chat to you for a couple of hours that would be weird yeah. if it wasn't for doing it for, for like a particular it, reason that that is that is i mean i'm not shy of doing that but when todd agreed to come on and we'll have um another guest coming on in a different context which will uh not uh, spoil right now but uh, i think that's 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 true and and it's it's interesting how quickly you get into a really nice conversation yeah. with total strangers and yeah no totally it was, it was great talking to todd and yes it was it's great to to have guests and to get a different point of view um you know one of the uh, one of the biggest reasons I do podcasting is because of the people I get to meet and hang out with. So, yeah, that's... Uh, and I've learned so much and had so much fun over the years. So that's all good. That's all good. But I, I need to ask you, Aid, where are we taking this podcast? Well, uh, who knows, right? Uh, so <laughs> we, said we, we said we would do a run of... Uh, well, first of all, we were going to do one or two, weren't we? And now we've done five. Yeah. <laughs> Right, because it turned out that when we dug into the topic that we set ourselves, actually it fit better across five different conversations. So that's brilliant, and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, definitely want to do more. Not quite sure um, what that means at this point of time. Um, yeah, we can do some thinking about that and and decide what it is. But it'd be great to get um, it'd be great to get people's input to that. So yeah, I know we, we've been very fortunate that every, yeah, lots of people are, are, have given us good feedback and joined in the conversation. But I think, yeah, if we could ask those people and others listening uh, to just indulge us one more time uh, and to give us some feedback on, you know, what it is that they might like to hear. Is it is it more of the same? Is it perhaps another mini series on a slightly different topic, but that's related or, or not related? Who knows? But I think there's definitely we, we definitely seem to have, have hit something uh, here. Uh, with our little mini series so i'd be very happy to take it on and do something else um and it'd be great to get some ideas and some thoughts uh from other people and see what they see what they would find interesting to to hear and maybe even participate in who knows so yeah all good um and uh i guess uh good good a good place to continue the conversation would be the sunny 16 discord i will put a link 
to the show notes in Sunday 16 Discord because I'm not sure it's been in there most of the time. Um, and uh, you know, then uh, we'll put uh, well, I'll put my Twitter handle in there and my Mastodon handle in case Twitter doesn't exist anymore or in case everybody's left just doesn't want to participate anymore. Um, so very happy, um, really enjoying the the interactions I'm getting on Mastodon now. Actually, I've been doing that for a few weeks. Um, I'm not the most prolific poster in the world but yeah it's been involved in a few nice interactions there already um so it'd be great to hear from people you know uh in any of the links in the show notes folks and any of the platforms we link in the show notes um uh, about what might be interesting to do next uh and see where we get to what would you like to do next good question i think i think uh when you said we need user input, what I saw in my mind w- was this image of Uncle Sam saying, we need you, <laughs> uh, you know, and that is really, if you, if you want to m- create content that people actually want to listen to, I think the best way to do that is to ask people what they want to hear. So that's something that you already uh, very well um, uh, yeah, described. And I think I can just... Uh, yeah, I second that, you know, because I think I uh, if if we we put some work into what we did, um, we we, we had have, outlines, yeah. we planned, we planned uh, for guests and so on, and or our guests, and I think uh, it's more it's even more satisfying if you know that you're heading in a direction where people uh, feel there should be something said or there is a converse, conversation to be had and. Yeah, so I completely agree with you. So I think we should look at what people say on Discord, look at what they say. I, I have a Mastodon account as well right now. Like I made this, that a, a few days ago, and I think um, maybe that gets some use. And yeah, just drop us a message at sunny16presents at gmail.com. Oh, well, there's there too as well. Yeah, other, absolutely. Yeah. And let us know what you want to uh, want to hear, what conversations are there to be had. And don't be shy. If there is anything that is outrageous or not outrageous in a, in a, in a illegal or what other <laughs> way, but in terms of, you know, um, that hasn't been discussed yet in the film community or that hasn't dis- been discussed properly in the, in the photography community, just let us know because there are so many interesting um artists out there who create stuff using photography and enhance it or augment it with with other techniques or you know normal peeping people shooting stuff and organizing themselves and enjoying each other's photography that's something that is worth talking about and just let us know what you think mm, yes please do please do well i tell you what then um i have really enjoyed this little series of conversations thank you very much christian for uh, for the idea for for wanting to do stuff um and uh, yeah it's been great fun yeah, thank you, Aid, for joining me. It was an um, amazing five-episode ride, and let's see where we're going next. Okay. Okay, so with that, we'll leave you, wish you... Um, yeah, how do we do this? Because we're, we'll be in the past, so we'll still wish you Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and we'll uh, talk to you later. Yeah, Happy New Year, folks. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.